It's my podcast. Change, change, change. Of course we're talking about change. Of course, why not? So, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, too. Here's my podcast. All right. At last, normally I struggle uh, to get that last note in on our uh, song that leads us into the podcast, but I think I got it today. The voice is warm and ready. Look, I hope you all are doing well. It is Monday, 7 o'clock p.m. My name is Andre. I'm both host and founder of this thing called BSTL. What does it stand for? Building something that lasts. So anyways, um, I'm hoping that you're doing well. Uh, It's beginning to get a little bit chilly outside. And of course, we're moving towards like winter. Um, And it's going to be a cold winter, I think, out here in the north, right? So not everybody lives in Toronto, but I have a feeling it's going to be a cold one. It's been a great summer. Uh, But you know, like everything else, change is a part of what happens, okay? So anyways, I want to jump right into this thing. And I want to talk a little bit about this. And I think that this is a struggle that most leaders, whether they are effective or not, experience at some point while leading people. So I've entitled this one, um, Something About You, Something About You. So here's what I want to talk about. So what happens is, is that for most leaders at some point, you are going to be transitioning. And when I say transitioning, I don't mean fired. (laughs) So that's not where we're going today, even though some leaders, they do get fired. But I am talking about transitioning. And when I say transitioning, uh, the reality is, is that if you work somewhere for 30, 40 years, and of course, that's beginning to change because uh, millennials and Gen Zers, they don't stay somewhere like how our, our parents did. Um, for their entire life until they retire. So, you know, it it looks different for this new generation that's coming up. But even if uh, you do not belong to that boomer uh, generation that works somewhere and they they put in all their time and then they retire and then that's it, even if you don't belong to that generation, um, the reality is, is that you are going to be moving around at some point throughout the discourse of your career, right? Whether that's interdepartmentally or if it means that you leave that um, organization and go somewhere else, the reality is you are going to move. And when you move as a leader, and look, remember, leadership is a shared value, which means that even though you may have the nameplate that is on the door or on your desk, right, everybody's a leader. So we're, we're really talking about it in terms of functionality, right? So I'm talking about supervisors, managers, team leads, uh, CFOs, CFOs, directors, and the list goes on. Whatever capacity that you lead, meaning that you have individuals that you are responsible for, this conversation is for you. So here's what happens. Uh, Whether or not you are staying in the company or moving, at some point, you're going to be uh, replacing somebody on their job. Right now, this person that has been there is either going to be a really, really good uh, leader. They're going to be a mediocre leader or they're going to be somebody that everybody has been waiting for for quite some time to leave and transition and go somewhere else. So here you have it. You now walk into that space and that place may be thriving. They may be coasting, plateauing, or they may be declining, um, depleted, busted and disgusted, whatever it may look like. And now you've got to find a way to turn water into wine. 
So this conversation is for you because there is a level of frustration that you will walk into regardless of what level of engagement this team is that you're now going to have to lead. Uh, If they're a great team, they are motivated, they are doing well, they are increasing in all different areas, revenue and people and product and branding. Uh, Yes, and guess what? The leader that has now left, nobody wanted them to lead and here you come. Um, But that's not always true for everybody, right? So you also have the other team that's sitting there with their legs crossed and they're not motivated and they're not doing all that well. They may be barely hitting their benchmark, but they're not at their best. And the reality is somebody has brought you in because they hope that you will be the uh, gasoline uh, that lights a flame underneath this team and you will go from being last in the building to being um, overproductive and thriving for the, the actual company. And then, of course, last but not least, we've got this third group. And this third group, like the company's been throwing their hands up in the air for years. Like no matter what you do, no matter how many times you threaten somebody, no matter how many times you plan parties, no matter how many uh, appreciation dinners that you have, this group of individuals, they are not motivated and they really could care less. They're just there to collect their check every two weeks once a month, once a quarter, whatever it looks like, they're not really there because they want to be there. It's that this space has now become a place where they just collect a paycheck because they need it to survive. So what does this have to do with you? So let's start off with the high-performing team, right? So this is what we have to deal with as leaders. You walk in, and the moment you walk in, you can feel the DNA of the the person that has preceded you all over the space. I mean, you walk in, and already people are like, oh, nice to meet you, so-and-so. Let's make them Andre. Nice to meet you, Andre. Uh, We can't wait to work with you, but you've got to fill some big shoes. And here's the reality. The moment that they say that you've got to fill some big shoes what they're really saying is unless you're coming better than what has preceded you we have no intention of going along with you so here's the thing the person that has preceded you uh, they may have a perception that that person has done well and that may be true like maybe they really did do well or maybe that individual was extremely good with their interpersonal uh, skills and people love to talk with them but it doesn't necessarily mean that they were doing well in all areas because sometimes uh, depending on who you are and what drives you uh, the the way that you evaluate the the leader that has preceded you has nothing to do with the output and the work uh, that they have put in it has everything to do with I think that they're a great person and they like me a lot and so therefore I like them because they've always been kind Uh, but can I just tell somebody and free them (laughs) kind is important empathy is important compassion is important all of these things are important but at the end of the day if you've got all of these things that matter to you but you're not meeting the benchmark then you still got a problem so now what happens is is that you've now been there for one month two months uh, six months one full year and now you're beginning to see this team that was thriving before they're no longer doing as well right now let me just qualify what well is right so the numbers are up like the stuff that matters uh, to the person in the corner office those things are beginning to really become cemented in terms of what is necessary to move and push the organization forward Uh, but team morale is down 
team morale is down because you've been pushing to meet the needs based on the the, uh, statistics, but you haven't really met the need that the previous leader has been able to accomplish. Now, in this moment, can I just say this? This is now time for a very crucial and critical conversation with your team. Like, you can't just look at one statistic and be like, well, I think we're doing well because this is why they brought me in. They asked me to come here and clean this up and that up and that I've done, so I'm doing well. All things matter in different seasons based on what it is that you will have to do to lead. So you've got to have this critical conversation, right? And I don't know who I'm speaking to uh, this evening, but the reality is you've got to go and you've got to speak to the team collectively and you've also got to speak to uh, each individual on your team. And I don't know how large your team is, right? So if it's a team of 10 to 15 or more, uh, maybe you guys all go into the breakout room, the coffee room, and you order some pizzas over lunch and you begin to sit down and talk. Or maybe you just need to do an anonymous survey. But you've got to figure out how am I going to get to know what's happening? Because while we may be scoring well, the morale of our um, department, is also important. And the reason why you want to ask or the reason why you also want to have this conversation is because there may be some things that they were expecting you to do as a leader that's not a part of your toolbox. Now, let me also say this, because I know sometimes as leaders, uh, we like to say, well, that's just not me and uh, I wish I could, but I can't. Uh, But the reality is sometimes you've got to become all things to all people in order that you're going to be able to to get what really matters done. And so now you have these one-on-ones or these surveys or you have this little meeting in some space where you're going to have some pizza and some juice or maybe you have a dinner outside of the company so that you take uh, this concern off-site and you're you're beginning to have this conversation. Either way, you've, you've got to do it. And in this conversation, I want to say that you want to listen out for what is the overarching theme. You know, maybe you don't talk as much. Maybe you're an introvert. Maybe you talk too much because you're an extrovert. Maybe there's something somewhere in between there. Maybe the deadlines are so important that at times you have become this cold machine because all you keep looking at are the benchmarks based on numbers. And for them, they're accustomed to being led by somebody who knows what's happening in their families, knows what's happening with their children, knows what some of the health concerns may be and some of the financial concerns. You've got to be able to to ascertain how is it that my predecessor was leaving or leading before they left so that you can figure out here's what I have got to do. Now, let me just also give somebody a little bit of courage because by the time you are beginning to realize that morale is down, the reality is is that you've skipped a step, probably. And and when I say skipped a, a step, what I really mean is when you first arrived, you wanted to hit the ground running. You know, I've often hear, heard people say you've got 90 days uh, to do whatever you've got to do before people begin to settle in and you begin to lose your objectivity. And that might be true. But the reality is, is that before you get 
um, your, 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 your boots hit the ground running. And before you begin to implement and create some of the change, there is a little bit of hand-holding and, and, and nurturing and some of the other stuff that you've got to be able to do. And when I say hand-holding, I mean that tongue and cheek. But really what I'm saying is you've got to kind of get a sense of who am I working with before I actually start. And the thing is, is that you're not so much trying to figure out who's good on the team and who's not good. You're trying to make sure that you're not pushing somebody that doesn't like to be pushed. And at the same time, you're not pushing uh, people who don't need to be pushed, right? So either extremity is going to create some type of a negative backlash. And so you've got to be clear who's on your team. You've got to get a sense of where are they going? What is it that they were hoping to accomplish? How are they feeling about the one that has now left them um, to go on to greener pastures. And let me just say this, it's important that you are able to take it um, and hear from the team that, look, we miss him or we miss her because that person had become a part of our team and a part of our family. Every time a new leader comes and goes, especially if they have had a substantial impact on the lives, the personal lives and the business lives of those that they are leading, People do go through a process of grieving. And I know this for a fact. I mean, I remember years ago when I was working somewhere, like we had an awesome team and people were doing really well, um, but it was time for me to transition into something else. And, you know, the thing is, is that I'm not necessarily one who is completely attached uh, in the same kind of way as maybe other leaders. Like while I'm there, I'm all in. And then when I transition, I usually try to keep moving because I don't want to continue to still have the same level of connection because I feel like it almost robs the person that may come behind me when perhaps the, the space that I've been leading in is still connected with me while trying to connect with somebody that will be leading them in a much more intimate type of way. And so therefore, you've got to, you've got to know how they're feeling. You've got to know that they miss this person and they wish that that person were there and you've got to be sensitive to that, but then you've also got to get over your own feelings. And and it's true, right? If we're to be honest, we've all led in spaces where uh, you're constantly being, um, compared to the person that would have preceded you. And at some point you're like, when will they stop comparing me? Uh, and the reality is we don't know, right? And the, the truth is, even if they don't stop comparing you, you still got a job that you've got to do. So when you arrive now, you've got to understand that sometimes the issue that they have with you, it's not so much it's you, it's the symbol of you. It's the you that they were hoping would be a continuation and a continuum based on what people had before, and you're not that person. And so part of the reason why we have this little powwow, and some people like to call it the kumbaya effect, sometimes we have to do that because you may not have been been clear when you first arrived on who you're going to be as a leader, right? You may not be the person that is going to go out to the club, the bar, uh, lunch all the time with the team because that's not you. Maybe you don't even have the money to go out and you don't want to do that. Or maybe depending on where you are within your own current context, you don't have the time to work with people from eight uh, to 4.30 and nine to five and then still spend another four hours in the evening. So you've got to tell them so that they understand, look, please don't expect me to deliver on some of these pieces because that's not me. And number two, I'm not able to do so. 
But the other challenge is too, is that sometimes as team leads, as, as leaders, when we go into a space, because we desire, and especially if we've heard uh, that the person that has preceded us has done so well that they hit home runs in all areas, you hit the floor trying to really duplicate what they were doing. And can I just tell you, you can't. You can never be the same type of leader as the person who has preceded you. And here's the reality. If you do become like them, then the nuance that you now bring into this new working space, you will have lost it because you're no longer leading like yourself. You're beginning to lead like them. So therefore, this conversation where you are now having a a transparent thing and you're letting them know that, look, I can see that morale is down. Please let me know what it is that I can do to help. And make sure you got your your phone out, a piece of paper, a pad, whatever, because you really want to jot down some of these things so that they know that that, that you are hearing them. And then you've got to commit to making some of the adjustments in some of the areas that you can do something about. And or you can ask them, look, I may not be able to do all these things, but is there somebody that is on our team that is willing to hold me accountable while working with me to uh, develop and or maintain some of the things that used to, 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 to be common for why it is that we had a strong team that was thriving and doing well. So that's the team that's on the up and up. But we also have the flatline team. Uh, they're not motivated. They're not happy. Uh, you can see that they're lethargic. Uh, They may be beginning to do uh, some of what is required in order to meet the benchmarks and the numbers um, for whatever it is that the organization has as as an expectation. Again, uh, they may not be working for you because guess what? Generally, whenever a team is flatlining, you're inheriting a, a, a team or an organization or a group of people who have been disgruntled for quite some time. And so even though you may be new and they don't know who you are, they may have heard what you're going to bring to the table and they may have a, a sense of who you are based on what everybody else has to say. The reality is you are another name, another suit or another dress, but you represent the same symbolism that they were not happy with before. Say it another way, Andre. Really what I'm saying to you is, even if you are an authentic leader, you have to know this, that you are going to have to take some of your hits as people begin to know who you are. And as they begin to know who you are, some of them will get will get on board fairly quickly and others will take a long time because it's not necessarily that there's something about you that they don't like. There's a measure of distrust that they have with you because the last manager and the previous manager to that and the previous directed to that and the previous uh, VP to that, they all kind of led in the same type of way. So why would they believe that you would come in and be a little bit different just because you've got a different face and a different voice and you come from somewhere that's a little bit more localized? The reality is some of the pushback that you may experience, especially from teams where they are not doing so well and they are hurt and broken because the previous leader didn't do their job, the reality is it's going to take some time and some trust building and some team building so that you'll be able to connect with them on a level where they will want to work for you. 
And so let me also say this to you, because I want you to guard against going in there gung ho, uh, guns a blazing, and okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this at the end of the month, and I'm gonna spend this, and I'm gonna show you that I'm different. You don't have to do all of that. What you do have to do is you've got to be yourself. You've got to go in there and be yourself, flaws and all, but be willing to apologize quickly if there's something that you do that may um, add to the overall harm that this group of individuals has been experiencing anyways. Right. So when they are flatlined and pushing back and not desiring to work with you, I promise you, leader, it's not necessarily you. It may be the lack of trust that they've had in those that have previously served and led them. They're not going to be committed. And here's the beauty of it all. If you're willing to stay the course, knowing that there are some individuals who will never like you and or may come to love you even if they don't necessarily become uh, super close to you here's what happens after a while when people can see that your character is consistent and while they may not like the quirks about you and there may be some things about you that they don't love and there may be some things about you that they do love the reality is is that after a while as you uh, present yourself as being consistent um, over and over and over flaws and all somebody is going to start speaking up on your behalf now this ought to encourage you because sometimes as leaders when things begin to happen and you already have a team that is flatlining and they're not motivated a lot of times you may begin to take um things personal because you're like well what am i supposed to do this person does not seem to be okay with how i'm leading they don't like me they don't invite me out for lunch or dinner after and the reality is that's okay because here's the other thing that I've also discovered. Whenever a leader gets to wherever they are, wherever they are leading in, the truth is there's no guarantee that by the time you have led there, whether for a year or 10 years or for the next 20 years, there is no guarantee that you will be embraced while you are there. Because to some degree, the change that the organization is trying to bring may not necessarily mean that you will be embraced as a leader, but it doesn't mean that you're not bringing a level of 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 professionalism to what it is that you're doing and it also doesn't mean that the team is not stronger just because you may not have been embraced and so here's what i'm also saying then right so when you walk into a situation where a team has been hurt by the organization and or they are hurt by that position of authority the reality is you are not just building towards the statistics you are also um, helping to reframe and restructure how people see that position because you won't always be sitting there so don't think that it's that they don't like you it's not that it's you it's something about you the symbol of the office that you now have to occupy now let's talk about the last one uh, before we wrap this thing up uh, because we as leaders uh, we will always inherit a team that is completely disfranchised, disenfranchised and failing and drowning and strong and wrong. And let me just say this to the leader that gets sent into uh, the blazes, uh, the houses that are burning down, the smoldering rubble, uh, the places that have all of the problem individuals. I want to say this to you. They are people, too, that do have the capacity to change. 
And let me also go as far as to say this. I think that there's something to be said when you as a leader are now sent to go and work in a context that nobody else wants to touch with a 10-foot pole. And let me also say this as well. I'm not going to make the assumption that when you are asked as a leader to go into a space where everything is in the negative, that somebody is putting you there to fail. I think that generally it's the other side that they're probably sending you there. And of course, this is just my perception on this one particular thing. They are probably sending you there because there's something about your unique uh, skill sets that will allow for you to be the one person that finally is able to dig a small hole out of the rubble so that you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So in these situations, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this probably uh, in season two or three, the reality is, is that when you inherit something that is not going well and has not done well for quite some time, you've got to know this. You may not be there by the time the flag is lifted and you now can say that this thing is working all steams going forward and everything is just running smooth like a well-oiled machine. You may not have that opportunity. And so can I just say this to you? Rome was not built in a day. And when you inherit something that is in the negative and declining, know this, that you may have 10 things that you would like to do, but you've really got to focus in on the one or two things uh, that you're going to need to do in order for this place to become a better space for leadership to happen and for your team to thrive. So let me just say this, right? So for this third group of individuals, nobody goes to bed at night and says, please give me the worst of worst. Nobody does that, generally speaking. But what you will find as a leader is that after a while, if you continue to be the type of leader that seems to do well with ground zero, you will probably consistently be the ground zero leader. And while it may be stressful and while it may be difficult, you've got to say to yourself, the goal isn't for me to become the champ, but it's to give this group of individuals a sense of honor and pride and joy and give them something to live for and perhaps show them that while they may not be doing so well, we can at least move you to benchmark and or we may be able to bring you to that team that is thriving and doing well, but we're going to have to start somewhere. So here's what's consistent throughout all three groups. It's not going to happen without these critical and crucial conversations, because unless you know what it is or who it is that you are leading, you may bring the right remedy for the wrong illness. And you want to be able to bring the stuff that will allow for the change to happen at a rate that does not create more trauma than what they've already walked into. Whew, this is a good one today. And I hope you enjoyed it, right? Because ultimately, as leaders, we do have to change where we lead. And as we change where we lead, we've got to figure out where were they before, where are they now, and where do we want to take them, but we want to do it at a pace where we help them to become victorious and we don't add more trauma and drama to what happened. So don't take it personal. It's not you that they don't like. It's you, the position that you now hold. 
because you represent the change. And whether or not they get on board or not, every single day when they come in, it's gonna be you that's leading. So you have to have that conversation or you may never find out how to turn the boat around and switch it in a direction where all three levels will grow and thrive and do well. Hey, if you want to have a conversation with me, uh, bstlinc21 at gmail.com. Uh, and by the way, if you haven't done so, don't forget to subscribe and share and like, especially if you're on Apple Music, you can leave some information there so I can get some reviews so I can know exactly how to have these conversations so that they can be a benefit and a blessing to you. Take care. My name is Andre. I'm both host and and founder of BSTL. And by the way, did I tell you we're in Nigeria now? I can't wait to see where we're going to be going next month. But I'm enjoying the ride. Take care until we see each other next week, Monday. All right, everybody, it's time for the recap. As leaders, it's important to keep these key thoughts in mind when transitioning as a leader and replacing your predecessor. Number one, leadership is a shared value. Have a crucial conversation with your predecessor to ensure that you know your team. Number two, be true to yourself. Be the authentic leader that represents your character, your consistency, and highlights your leadership skill sets. Number three, prior to making any decision with your team, connect to better understand your team's morale. Assess where they are and discuss where you want to take them. And last but not least, do not take your team's transitioning and process adjustments towards you personal. It's not your character that is under scrutiny, but the change you represent in the position you now hold. See you guys next week.